Time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teols. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, your new RSS feed. All past programs, too, are going to be on there very, very soon. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Pinball Profile. You can email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. Big news in pinball. This is actually big anytime. Forget COVID-19. The number one player in the world is now an employee of Stern Pinball, and he joins us right now, Raymond Davidson. Hello, Raymond. How are you? Hey, Jeff. Doing good. Congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And you know, last week when I had George Gomez on, he may have dropped a hint that he did some new hires when you hear this clip. As a matter of fact, I've just hired a couple of guys during the pandemic. I've hired a couple of guys. What did you think when you heard Gomez say that? Did you kind of laugh a little bit? Yeah, I was listening to that in the car uh, on the drive over here. And uh, I heard that and I I chuckled a little bit because I was like, I know, I know, I know what he's talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really want to pry because it's none of my business, but boy, that was exciting news to wake up Monday morning and and see that you'd been hired too. So we've got a lot of questions to ask. Uh, First of all, how did this all start? Who approached who? Well, Tim Sexton, you know, after he had um, released his Black Knight, um, or maybe it was right as it was starting up, I'm not sure, but it was uh, a couple years ago, he was like, hey, we're we're hiring right now. It'd be a great time for you to, to join if you have any interest at all. I know you do computers and you love pinball, so you should you should definitely come work with Stern. You know this opportunity doesn't happen all the time, but we're right now we're looking to expand, so you you should get get in. And at the time, I had like just bought my house in Everett, uh, Washington, and I was like, there's just no way. I like just got this house, you know. I just getting everything settled here. I'm not gonna just move and leave to Chicago. So I said, you know, ask back in about a year, and uh, sure enough, like a year later on the dot, he uh, he's like, hey. Uh, so, any more thinking about uh, coming to Stern? And I was like, uh, well, all right, I, I'll, I'll see where this goes. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll see, I'll, I'll see where this leads. And um, the next thing I know, I was talking to George and um, talking to some of the other other Stern guys, and and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, so we got you uh, booked on a, a a flight out here to Chicago in two weeks uh, to come meet the team. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, I'm not going to say no to that. So I got an all expenses trip paid to Chicago. And they put me up in a nice hotel downtown. It was great. And, uh, yeah, everyone liked me. And uh, it was a little nervous. I had to do, actually, a, a coding interview on the whiteboard when I first got there, which I was not really expecting, but uh, I guess I, I should have. Um, but I was able to, to fight my way through that. And, um, yeah, I got to meet everybody and, and hang out with everyone and, and see what it's all about. And uh, then after that, I got offered the job, and I accepted. This was back in early March. And so I was all planned to move here beginning of April, uh, but then the COVID happened, so we kept pushing back the start date. And um, then finally, I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just driving across the country. We're going. And uh, now I'm here on my first day, May 18th. Isn't that funny? Wow, that's uh, unreal. And I was telling you this before we started talking here on the show that I had just completed editing your first ever appearance on Pinball Profile, which was episode 60 now on pinballprofile.com. And I was thinking, I got to give Raymond a call and just, you know, catch up with him about being the indefinite number one in IFPA. Uh, just talk <laughs> general pinball. But uh, wow, it's, it's I used to have the Pinball Profile karma. I guess this is Pinball Profile intuition, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. So you had to do some testing there on the whiteboard you'd mentioned with coding. How similar is what you're going to be doing with Stern to what you have done in the past? And you've been a software development engineer at your previous jobs. I mean, it's all just going to be programming. Um, I uh, In my past jobs, I hadn't done much of the exact language that 
I'm going to be coding in in Stern, but um, a lot of the knowledge is transferable between programming languages. But it'll definitely be a lot different. Um, you know, my other job, I was working on mobile, um, like Android, iPhone, and uh, lots of server-side things, Ruby on Rails, if you know what that is. But uh, here, it's pretty much all is going to be, you know, code for the pinball machine, which is in the one language, and it's, you know, that's it. So um, it'll be a lot more focused, and I'll be able to get really good at my craft, and I'll, I'm looking forward to it. Before we get deep into what your job's going to be about, you said you had to drive cross country and you just bought a house too. So, okay, what's going on with the house? What's going on with your pins? <laughs> so many questions, Jeff. Yes. Um, yeah, we basically, um, all my pins are now being rented out uh, to various people around the Seattle area. Um, apparently, uh, when people can't go to arcades, they uh, really want games in their house. So uh, that was kind of a win-win. I got to, my pins are now being put to good use and uh, my house has a couple of uh, roommates that uh, were living with me before I moved, um, so they're going to still be there. Um, so I'll have to, you know, fly back every once in a while, check on things, make sure everything's going okay. But, uh, yeah, it should just hopefully run itself over there smoothly. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with the pins in the long term, kind of kicking that can down the road, but we'll see. I'll have plenty of pinball here in Chicago, that's for sure. That is the good news, bad news thing. You didn't bring your pins with you to Chicago, but you kind of have a factory there at your disposal. Yeah. What I find interesting about you being at Stern is this is yet another current or former number one player now at Stern Pinball. You think of Keith Elwin, you think of Zach Sharp, Lyman Sheets as well. Boy, that <laughs> you talked about Tim Sexton. When he's now fifth on the depth chart for uh, best players at Stern, <laughs> that's that's a pretty stacked lineup there. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of lot of pinball talent here, that's for sure. Josh Sharp uh, joked about how uh, the Stern Rewards ultimate reward is if you finish the year at number one, you get a job. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> What did your other fellow pinball competitors now at Stern say when when you got there? I was like, oh, this just got a lot tougher at the lunchroom or what? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be fun, uh, you know, doing battles uh, with uh, Keith and Zach. And, uh, you know, some of the Chicago people are probably like, great, now Illinois championships is going to be impossible, even, even more impossible, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, I think everyone's excited. I'm excited. Boy, you already came from a tough state. I mean, Washington's no slouch. Yeah. It was the biggest cash prize for the state finals. I mean, it was already tough. Jermaine was number one, chickened out, went up to Alberta. Sorry, Jermaine, I have to bring that up again. But <laughs> So now, which is going to be tougher, Washington or Illinois? Hmm. What do you think? Probably very similar, honestly. It depends on the bracket as well, you know, who you get paired against when and when people get knocked out. But it's only going to be harder. But I don't think it's... Once you get to a certain level, there's, there's not much more after that. You know, I had to face all the Seattle guys. I had to face Kaylee. I had to, you know, and, and you have to do it, um, you know, that day. You have one day, and if you blow it, you blow it. Um, so it doesn't really matter where you're playing. It's going to be tough. It is always tough, but you seem to find a way, Raymond. Let's talk about the new job. Yeah, so I got hired, in, hired on as a software support engineer, um, and so I'll be helping people out, uh, you know, filling in features, you know, doing light shows, I'll get to make some design decisions myself, um, just much smaller role than being in charge of a whole game. You know, like Tim was lead on Black Knight, so he got to, you know, kind of dictate everything about that game. Yeah. And so going forward, you know, I might be working under Tim on his next game where he has a vision and then he's like, okay, Ray, go uh, do this multiball for me. I kind of thought maybe something like this and then maybe I would go do that or whatnot. 
but yeah, it should uh, start out uh, kind of simple and then ramp up as I learn more and more, and uh, I'm super excited, yeah. Without being game-specific, because it's obviously difficult to say that as you're now employed by Stern, have you looked at games in the past, whether it be any company, and thought, you know, this rule might be a little bit better, or if this was changed, it could open things up a little more? Have you tinkered in that department before? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been times where the most often that happens is where something that feels intuitive to me, where I'm like, oh, I bet at the end of this, there's this thing, and then I get there and there's not. Or, or it does something kind of different or a certain part of the play field that I thought could be used for something ends up not really being used at all. And I'm, I'm you know, I kind of get sad about that and I'm like, oh, it would have been cool to, you know, maybe do something there or add some functionality here or, um, you know, complete this sequence more or just other little ideas pop into my head from time to time as I'm playing games. But, um, you know, nothing, you know, I'm never down on a game because it doesn't do all the things I want. It's more of just a, a thing that can, you know, pop in now and then of like, huh, well, that'd be cool, you know. Now, people listening to this program are thinking, okay, Raymond, when you play a pinball machine versus when I play a pinball machine, you're doing things I may never get to. So I think of what Keith Elwin has done with his two games so far. Obviously, he has the same skill set you have in being able to really do whatever you want in pinball. But when it came time for him to design the rules, he put in simple things. And the deeper you get in the game, the more complex it can be. But there's kind of that element of make sure everyone's enjoying this at their own skill level. So people listening to this right now are like, okay, the number one guy just got hired at Stern Pinball. Is it going to be more complex or more of what George Gomez was saying on the last episode of Pinball Profile when he said, it's more important to be fun than to be deep. Where do you lie in this? Yeah, I've always been a fan of the layered approach. Um, games like Simpsons Pinball Party or Lord of the Rings, where everything's opened up at the beginning, and so you can kind of get to all the features. But then once you peel back that layer, uh, there's another layer lying. So it's like, oh, you can... First of all, you can play, like, Simpsons Pinball Party, for example. You shoot the TV, you start a mode. For some people, that's that's it. They're ecstatic. That is what have, has brought them joy. They shot the TV. That is so cool. But then once you peel back that layer, it's like, okay, start all the modes, and you'll get uh, Alien Invasion. And then once you do that, okay, now try to beat Alien Invasion. Okay, oh, well, cool, I did that. Okay, now do these other five things that all have their own, <laughs> you know, layers in them uh, to get to the ultra wizard mode. So I think additive is really the approach you want to go for when making a game. That's good to know. I like the layered aspect too, and those two games you mentioned are really perfect examples of just how games can be fun and both deep. So I've seen a lot of that from Stern lately, so I'm sure with you being there, it's only going to continue. I have a question here. Uh, I'm asking for a friend. What's your thought on the action button and, and its use in pinball games and rules? <laughs> I think it's cool um, when it gives you, when, when it's additive, right? That's the key word here, is when you don't need it, but it adds some extra little functionality, like uh, Jurassic Park, I think, does a great job of using it, where um, you can use it to select your smart missile award. But other than that, you know, you don't have to press it. It's not critical. Um, it can stop dinos in their tracks, which is which is awesome. It's kind of like that uh, emergency escape hatch in like asteroids, the uh, the original where you could like hyperspace or whatever. Yeah, I kind of like that use of it, where it's kind of like a not very often, but you can use it, and it will sort of help you out. And that you really do need a third button for it because the flippers 
you know, the, those buttons control the flippers, so, you know, you gotta be able to have something easy and accessible to hit. Um, so I, I don't mind them if they're used judiciously. I don't know what you're saying. You know, I do joke about the action button a lot, and what people don't understand is I also like it. I like how it's used. It has to be used the correct way. You gave a perfect example with Jurassic Park. I think Deadpool the Boom, love it. I think one of my favorite action buttons is on the premium or LE of The Walking Dead. I know you like it too. Yeah, so that's a, a perfect example, the, the emergency button. You know, it's like, oh, I um, I don't really want to use this. It, it's kind of like a feature that you have in your back pocket. So without the action button, features you get, you're forced to use, basically. It's like, oh, I shot this thing, and so now my multiball um, has this extra ball added to it when I get to a multiball. But then once it's used, it's it's all done. Whereas the action button allows you to choose when you want to use that. So it's like, oh, I'm going to leave one hit left on the prison, and now I'm going to just shoot this mode shot, which might be kind of dangerous. And if I need to use it, I can use it. Uh, otherwise, I'll save it for when I really need it. So it uh, really just helps you um, optimize your, your play uh, for bigger scores and, and more fun. A lot of people may or may not know this about you. They know you're the number one player, but... It takes you longer to learn rules on games. It's funny to watch you in competitions, especially on newer games that come out. You just kind of learn, okay, what are two or three shots I need to make? You observe other people playing. Okay, there are points there. But it does take you a long time to learn rules, which is kind of funny. Just You're relying on your skills, which obviously is paid off. But why does it take you longer for rules, in your opinion? I don't know. It's just... I really learn best when I'm sort of discovering them on my own or as the situation arises, I, I like find out about a feature. I've always gone through life just asking questions, you know, when, whenever I don't know something. And I think that's a really good way to push your passion and, and really it sticks a lot more like learning things as opposed to studying, right? We've all been in school where it's like, okay, you got to study this, uh, chapter in history and then tomorrow we're going to ask you a bunch of questions about it and that just uh, doesn't appeal to me well you just you gave a good example of and smart advice too if you don't know something ask yeah that that's all my best advice is uh, just ask for help when you look at pinball machines and you see a new game do you rely on streams tutorials the readme file in the code updates where is it that you go to learn the rules the first time uh, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely look at the readmes, um, just so that I'm aware that there's certain areas I need to watch out for, or questions to ask people who have digested the readmes or have investigated it more. Like, you know, I'll see a readme and it'll say something about this one mode has changed and there's all this other stuff. Like on ACDC, one of the readmes just went on and on about these devil horn changes or something, and, and I'm like, okay, well that's interesting, and you can't use the bell VIP hits as much anymore. But there's only so much in that readme, so you still have to ask, okay, what does that actually mean? Do you know Do you know how the VIP works? You know, you'd ask somebody when you're at a tournament and or discover it yourself if you have access to one. The readme kind of just gives you the, the groundwork, and then you still have to pursue the actual details. What are your thoughts on Easter eggs, if you will, or hidden rules, things that aren't on the readme file, things you have to, wait a second, I just did this combo and this just happened. I didn't see that anywhere. Uh, I think those are those are great um, as long as you know they're not too obscure or you know game breaking in any way where it's like oh if you enter the like a cheat code basically where it's like oh if you do um, you know these six shots in order then all of a sudden you'll double your score like you know that wouldn't be good 
even the like six-way combos on Jurassic Park and Maiden that give you you know fossils or tomb treasures, those were in the README, I believe, and I think they should be because they're so important. So I wouldn't have like game-breaking things as Easter eggs, but little cute little like two-way combo or or like just little things like that. I think is is great to discover as you're as you're playing. One thing I've never really understood before is kind of the background scoring that happens. I mean, maybe you understand it. Maybe you'll be somebody that's going to be designing this. When I'm trying to figure out, how did I accumulate scoring bonus? And on some games, it really matters. On others, eh, not so much. But if you think of Deadpool, you can have a huge, huge bonus in that game. And that, that can be a game breaker. I've always wondered how you kind of figure out as a player what's going to increase my bonus. And does it matter? Yeah, I think the general rule with that is just ball time equals bonus, right? If something's wrong, if you play a long ball and you have the same or like a logarithmic more amount of bonus, you know, than if you had a a short ball. So I think that's a nice rule of thumb is, you know, longer ball time um, should give you more bonus. And that's usually, you know, a switch based bonus is, is kind of part of the equation, but maybe not necessarily. Maybe it's items you're collecting like Deadpool. The reason it's true is because you have all those ninjas and stars and things that you're collecting as the game goes on so the, the longer you play the more of those you have and the more bonus you get so i think as long as you stick to that general rule i think it's a good intuitive uh, way to approach it so raymond i really appreciate you coming on the program here especially your first day at work i mean it's not during work everyone i mean well no it's airing today so i guess it is i, I guess we can't really lie anyway thanks it's on, <laughs> he's on his lunch break everyone at stern i'm just don't want to think he's slacking by any means and i know he's got to get back to it but i do have a few more questions so chicago you're there now you've been there for a few days you've been to chicago before in the past how many times have you been uh, I mean, I've been here for Chicago Expo and for the Stern Pro Circuit, uh, but that was about it. And, you know, the Expo's not even really in the city, but the uh, the Pro Circuit was was in downtown, um, which was cool. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I always thought it was a nice uh, city and the weather's, you know, couldn't get a little cold in the winter. Uh, but, um, you know, it kind of... At this point, I'll take anything over the uh, overcast rain that I've been getting in the Seattle. So just something different will be will be kind of interesting. Enjoy the wind, but yeah, you're right. You lose some of that uh, northwestern rain and fog and all the good stuff there. But I think you're going to enjoy it. You got to figure out where your favorite pizza place is. I'm curious which one you like so far. Well, I know there's Luminalities and uh, Giordano Giordano's or something. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, there's Gino's, Giordano's, Lou Maldonati. Yeah, there's there's a few. I mean, again, you got to be thinking about packing on a few pounds living in Chicago. You're in the Midwest now, all right? There's a lot of great food there. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, quick true or false uh, before we send you off here. Just a few things, and you can elaborate, but I'm looking for a true or false answer here. You've said before on Pinball Profile your favorite game was the Simpsons Pinball Party. There have been a few games released since then. Is that still true? Um, Probably false. I think uh, my Stern Showdown I did with myself was uh, Jurassic Park ended up winning. It's tough to say that it's not my favorite game anymore, but it yeah, it might be, might not be anymore. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Why are you making me answer this, Jeff? <laughs> There's no wrong answer. And again, when you said that, there's probably now 20 new games since then. So, yeah, Jurassic Park, I think there's no shame in picking that. Magic the Gathering is your other great hobby. Is there a way of incorporating some sort of Magic the Gathering rules 
which has a huge fan base, into pinball some way, somehow. Wow, you know, I never even thought about that, um, but I'm sure you could with, like, the um, the different colors and how you need certain colors to unlock to pay for things. So that, wow, that, that's a great idea, Jeff. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, could you get in trouble for that? I mean, I guess as long as they don't call them the same things, right? <laughs> well, just being rewarded for gameplay. You know, I was thinking... In some of the video games, you would log in your name, your birth date, and then it would go online so you could kind of keep your stats. And I just think of home gaming systems where there's all this downloadable content and you get rewarded for playing games longer and you get to buy packs and this and that. Why couldn't you do that in pinball? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'd be, um, you'd have to have like modes you can unlock. I don't, I don't know if people would like, uh, like dumb DLC or, uh, a freemium model of pinball. I think people are expecting when you buy the game, you kind of have the game. Um, but, you know, maybe if you implemented it in more of a re- rewards way, and um, I'm sure there's a way to, to make it happen, but uh, I have, I, just, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Something to put on the back burner, Raymond. Just a thought. I was thinking more for the collector. Certainly not in the competition standpoint, but just as a collector, you know? Okay, wow, that'd be kind of neat to achieve this as we get more into connectivity might be an option someday yeah i mean i think that'd be that'd be really cool i think um it gets into touchy territory if uh, you can pay to get it faster right like everyone always you know gets mad at these games where you can pay your way to win sort of thing some things to be worked out but maybe we'll see that down the road okay raymond you do an excellent podcast do or die podcast it's great i enjoy it as a competitor because you highlight what went on at tournaments that you recently were attending but obviously there are no tournaments right now can that continue now that you're at stern pinball once competitions return yeah i don't see why not i'll have to probably edit myself a little more uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, I definitely expect i'm still still doing those if uh once tournaments return we're also enjoying you on the pinball network you're doing a lot of streaming i know you don't have the games now you've just kind of moved cross country is that something that will continue maybe in the future i definitely want to keep streaming it's uh yeah i'm not going to really be able to stream live pinball until i have a pinball machine uh but you know i made sure my apartment has uh, enough room for one or two so i wouldn't count me out of the streaming yet (laughs) and my final true or false question for you Is it true that Stern hired you because they were sick of giving you free pinball machines that you've won in competitions? I believe there are four. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how that would prevent me from winning more. If anything, I'll I'll get better and win even more. So I think that would backfire. (laughs) Four pinball machines. For those who don't know, let's uh, go over what you won and how you won them. Uh, So there was the... Aerosmith, I won at the Heads Up Championship in Vegas. The first ever Heads Up Championship. The inaugural Heads Up, yep. Then there was the... Uh, By the way, talk about the EV on that one. Yeah, that was a good deal. There was only, I think, 17 people that showed up for that and uh, gave away a game for first prize. It was like 20 bucks to enter or something. <laughs> Maybe 40 bucks. But even just you getting to Vegas was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think I was going to do it until... I was like standing in line for lunch at a pizza restaurant or something. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll book a flight for tomorrow. You know, it's a Friday. I'll just take the day off, head down there, come back. The same day. Same day. Yeah, no hotel, nothing. Just down there and back and came back with a pinball machine. (laughs) Wow. Okay, what about the other three machines you've won? So the other ones were Guardians of the Galaxy for winning nationals, uh, the national championships, um, and then... 
the two uh, IFA World Championships or the other two games, which were a, well, it was a WWE LE, which I turned into an Iron Maiden, um, traded it out basically with uh, someone. And uh, the other game was a Ghostbusters, which I ended up selling and then buying, using the money for Jurassic Park, um, you know, a couple years later when I wanted to, to get that game. Well, Raymond, congratulations. Does this mean we won't see that G Fuel hat anymore? It'll be the Stern hat? I gotta get me one of those, yeah. Um, pro- probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be repping some more Stern swag. This has been great news and couldn't happen to a better guy. Once again, Stern Pinball, another fantastic hire. Looking forward to seeing what comes out of your desk in the future on future titles. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. All right, go grab yourself a deep dish pizza. (laughs) All right, Jeff. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, past episodes, new RSS feeds. Also, check us out on Facebook. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. You can.